Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. It's so great to have you along with myself, Anne Baldwin, and um, my co-host of this program, who I don't get to see in person these days, but that's okay. She's still here with us, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore. Lisa is the president and CEO of The Connection. And Lisa, how are you hanging in there? Good morning. I'm hanging in there. I just feel like right now the most important thing is to stay healthy and try to focus on, you know, keeping my staff safe and our clients safe and my family and friends. And it's sad. The news, the news is hard to watch. You know, we'll just have to see what happens. And I'm, I'm sure that our next guest might have a little bit more insight into, you know, how things are going, where things are going. We're just so excited to have Representative Brandon McGee, uh, Jr., on the program with us and um you know brandon you are my representative in windsor connecticut you represent the towns of windsor and hartford and you're also the house chair of the uh, housing committee and the chairman of the black and puerto rican caucus it's a delight to be on and always um i appreciate uh, the work that the two of you do uh, in sharing information and allowing for us to come on uh, your platform to share additional information Thank you. you know, Brandon, you're such a community activist and an architect of social solutions for so many people in Connecticut, and you are so inspirational, and um, you've done so much for Connecticut. And I had I told you prior that I follow you on Facebook, and it's just a small, it's a very small piece of who you are in a bigger picture, but your level of humanity and your care and concern for the community is stellar. And you're, you are so well-respected. And I remember the first time that I, I met you was um, at the LOB, and we had a meeting together. And, um, you know, I remember le- leaving that meeting and thinking, wow, you know, we need, <laughs> we need you up there. We need you as governor. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out. Uh, I appreciate that. I need to call you but, guys every day. <laughs> Um, but but you, Help me you out just, during this time. but you understand. Here's the thing that's so like one of the things that I think is so great about you is you really care about communities 
I'm not saying no one else does, but your level of care and concern and what you do with your time to yeah. make a difference is so important. So can you talk to us sort of about, like, how did that all happen? And tell us some of the great stuff you're doing right now. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, a little over, I'm losing track of time. Some days I don't even know what day it is. Um, but I want to say it's about seven weeks. Are we seven weeks in, eight weeks in quarantine? Um, I forget what it is. But we started out, and I say we because I'm, I'm working with a lot of uh, community partners um, to respond and, and support uh, those, those that are in need. Uh, so I quickly gathered a group of folks um, under the leadership of our commissioner, uh, Department of Housing and Corrections, um, because I, I was just so worried about people um, formerly incarcerated, those unsheltered, not having immediate needs met, like food. Um, we didn't have as much information as we have now on COVID, and we're still doing research, but it was just frightening. You know, everyone was panicking, not knowing where to go, where homeless people would go, when formerly, when, when inmates are released, where are they going? Uh, and I said, we've got to do something, and i got to start in my own district. Uh, and, and that's what we did. So we quickly organized a three-church partnership, not limited to, um, to the ch three churches, but we started with the three. We coordinated a schedule where we would feed people every single day at 6 p.m., uh, because we know that the schools were feeding children breakfast and lunch. Um, and so we decided, all right, our priority is to make sure unsheltered folks are eating, but anybody, anybody's welcome. And having said that, we've been able to secure funding from Harvard Foundation for Public Giving and other, you know, private donors to just step up and say, look, we will um, adopt this initiative, and we will provide whatever money is needed uh, to continue providing food. So we've been doing that. Um, and from there, it stemmed out uh, to organizing um, testing opportunities for communities throughout the city of Hartford and even in the town of Windsor uh, to go get tested. Um, and so it's been, it's been extremely difficult, as you can imagine, you know, working from home. Um, and again, like I told you before, my wife and I, we both work full-time, and we have two little ones. Uh, but in between feeding and taking naps and watching Sesame Street and singing and playing with the Barbie dolls, you know, I'm able to, to, to at least <laughs> uh, figure out, okay, so what's our next move? Um, and as the chair of the Black and Puerto Rican Caucus, I've been able mm -hmm. to really leverage um, our influence and our political will uh, to put pressure on the administration, and they've been great partners, okay, but put a little pressure on the administration so that they're moving um, a little bit quicker uh, because we do a lot of meeting and talking and talking and meeting and meeting, and it's just like, guys, we need to, mm -hmm. we need, we need to move forward. Um, so it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been some very trying days. I, 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 would, not, I would not even lie about that. Um, you know, some days I just sit and I scratch my head like, what in the world is going on? You know, um, but I do know that we are, um, we as in the residents in the state of Connecticut, uh, mm -hmm. we are resilient people. 
Um, and this is not the first pandemic that we've been faced with. Um, and so we will get through this. What we've been doing, uh, the uh, BPRC and also the Windsor-Hartford delegation, is meeting with stakeholders via social media platforms like Zoom or Facebook or WebEx, mm-hmm. shall I continue, you know, all of these various uh, platforms to remain connected. Um, it's, it's been kind of difficult uh, because you also have a lot of our senior um, population who still vote very much active, but they're not on Facebook, right? right? And they're not calling into these conference call meetings. Um, and so, you know, they're reading the newspapers, right? And so we need to, and I'm telling myself this even as I'm talking, get back to writing more op-eds and getting in mm-hmm. the newspapers so that some of the other um, constituencies uh, can remain abreast as to what's going on. And it's not just the daily, you know, briefings that the governor uh, provides, but you're also hearing from the state legislature. Right. I told someone this yesterday because they were like, well, we're not hearing from the state reps. What is going on? And I says, well, let me let me help you understand what's happened here. Governor Lamont literally has complete power to do what he needs to do when he wants to do it um, under this state of, an, of, of emergency. OK, it's just the, the, the waving of that pen and he can go ahead and, and do what he needs to do. And and frankly, I think he's been doing a pretty darn good job. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Representative Brandon McGee Jr., and uh, he is a very involved representative. He represents the towns of Windsor and Hartford. Um, We should also mention that you mentioned earlier you do have a full-time job as well. You're the marketing and communications coordinator for CREC. Capital Regional yeah. Education Council. Hey, Brandon, I want to throw something out to you. You know, we just talked about Please. how the government, you know, he has the power, he has the people. Um, we go back to that May 20th opening date. But yet recently, you know, it was also um, announced that he's hired an out-of-state consulting firm uh, at the $2 million price tag Um to be consultants on reopening the state of Connecticut. Now, it's always been my impression as a voter, as a resident of the state of Connecticut, that's why we have decision makers. That's why we have lawmakers. That's why we have special committees. And now here we are, you know, talking about reopening and you got to bring in a $2 million out-of-state consultant firm? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my, my, my take on that is, um, similar to a lot of conversations we've been having around um, recruitment of teachers, right? And, and we're always talking about going outside of the state of Connecticut to recruit talent, you know? And in these cases, when you're talking about reopening the state of Connecticut, um, why not tap into the existing resources, talent we have right here in the state of Connecticut? So, you know, I, I probably would have taken, not probably, I would have taken a different direction um, to stimulate our economy and maybe hire various consultants uh, to help us with messaging and making sure, you know, we're sharing the information to all of the many different demographics we have here in the state of Connecticut. Um, I, yeah, there's not much to be said on that. That was their decision, but I probably would have taken a different route, um, especially at the tune of $2 million, 
Um, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I okay. We'll we'll, we'll just leave that where but it I, is. I don't, yeah. You yeah, don't support it. I don't it. know the rationale. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the rationale behind it, and I'm sure they have some really smart people working with them. Um, or working within the administration, and they came to that conclusion because of it. So they have okay, to do I, they that's have to that's do, where but. we'll agree to disagree. But anyway, all right. <laughs> well, let's move along. You know, and whether they're whether they're in state or I out, think we actually agree. Oh, we do we agree. Okay. Agree. <laughs> okay, good. Because I just I just don't get it. If if why we need, you know, we should have those people around us anyway. We've got these volunteer groups of very intelligent people who've been on this panel to help reopen and now it just seems to me like it's uh doesn't make sense but but you are doing some good things and so we know we have so many people in our population lisa you can speak to this that just you know don't even have the resources that we have and she talked about gratitude earlier we have a roof over our head we can probably get by with the food we've got but that's not the situation for everybody that's right that's right you know it's it's interesting um when I'm out there every day, um, and you see the number of people who are coming and they're just not the ones that you would assume, oh, yeah, they need it. You know how people make loose comments like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe they needed that. These are people who are working, mm-hmm. and um, they appreciate the ability to have the extra food because, and hear me out on this one, the expenses within the household, like... Um, water bill increasing, electricity increasing. So everything is shifting. Everything is shifting, and the money that you would otherwise have a little extra, right, to spend on groceries, now you're having to put towards your light bill. Or, you know, in some cases, some daycares are actually open and expecting, you know, people to pay. I am just glad that we're able to provide um, an immediate need, that being food to people, no judgment. We don't care who you are, where you're from, because we get a lot of people outside of the Hartford-Windsor um, uh, towns to come in. I mean, as far as anybody, okay, coming down and getting food and, and just so thankful that this is available on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also seeing, though, a lot of young people um, in need of housing. Um, a lot of young people are couch surfing. Uh, there are literally generations of families living in um, apartments. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you begin to talk about this idea of flattening the curve and really figuring out, you know, how best to support communities uh, like the north end of Hartford um, and other places as we continue to go through this pandemic, um, it, it, it's just a burden because there are certain things that I just don't have the capacity um, to do. Uh, right. However, connecting with DOH and DOC, which I want to talk a little, Department of Corrections, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you just, you, you serve as a voice for many of the voiceless um, who are just saying, look, can you help me out with getting, you know, my unemployment check? And we all know DOL has been backed up for about eight to nine weeks now. Um, and so people people are really hurting. Our businesses are hurting. Uh, so I understand one side of the argument, we got to get back. We got to get back. We got to start working so people can, you know, start paying their bills, et cetera. But you know what? Lives are so much more important uh, than reopening 
estate. Uh, and you, you both, I'm sure you've already read it. There, there is concern that there's a strand uh, within this COVID-19 that's affecting oh, young know. children. Um, and so, so but, but, but here's the crazy thing. People are just loosening the, the, their, their, um, their stay-at-home, stay-safe. Like, they're out. Everybody's out. And I'm like, guys. I know. I noticed that. You've got to get back in. You got. You can't let this thing go. Um, uh, but but anyway, that's what I'm hearing on the ground level. Um, I'm in talks with um, our FQHC, federally qualified health center, um, CHS. Um, you might be aware of that. That's in the town of Windsor, yep. in the southern portion, uh, and also Charter Oak and uh, Trinity Health. Um, system to figure out a way to bring the mobile unit to the community and provide testing and informational um, types of campaigns to educate people. Um, and then the other side of this is our friends, our family, who are under the supervision of Department of Corrections. Um, mm-hmm. Where do I start with that? <laughs> you know, there, you know, there's one... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said that. You know, we, I, I'm sure you're aware that we opened the first COVID respite center for DOC. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. And so we're filled to capacity. We, we started off at 12 and then we are, we were able to double capacity. So we're at 24, but we also know that there's a huge need for the DOC overflow for guys that, um, because, uh, DOC has reduced, the um, percentage of admissions so that you have room at your program for quarantine, there are those guys that need um, that need beds. And so we're currently working right now with DOC because we'd like to help DOC out because we do have, we do have a, a program right now in New Haven that is empty, you know, we have a floor open. But, you know, even with our youth, Brandon, we're like built the capacity for our youth program. We need more programs for youth. I mean, you know, I think housing is key, but I'm going to let you get back on the DO, the DO, the, for, uh, with DOC because, you know, that's to me. What about our yeah. women at DOC? I, yeah. Oh, I want to open a women's DOC program, another one. Yeah, there, there's another group of advocates who are pushing for early release, and, yeah. um, you know, they were actually protesting in front of the governor's mansion a few weeks back. I saw um, that. And... You know, I'm, I'm with them on that, uh, and here's why. Um, for some of the inmates who have low-level um, convictions uh, and, yep. you know, could very well uh, be home with their families and avoid COVID, um, I also caution many of the advocates, you know, you want people to be released, but you also want them to have the proper resources upon Absolutely. the release. And oftentimes that's not been the case. And so all you're doing is making their reintroduction to their community difficult because they're not provided with housing. They don't have a job. And now let's slap this pandemic on it. Where are they going from there? Um, And so that's been the struggle in that particular conversation. In addition to, you know, some folks saying, look, we're in here and we're not being quarantined. Uh, and those who are infected, we don't really know. 
Um, and so there's a struggle, you know, and, and internally. And we've been in, we've been, I know I have been in constant communication with Commissioner Rollins, uh, Roland Cook, uh, and his staff who have been absolutely phenomenal and uh, open yeah. um, mm-hmm. with meeting with me and sharing information, but there's still a challenge internally. Uh, and we I need agree. to put, I think we need to put more financial dollars to supporting the transition of many of our folks in there um, as they as they come home. Like you said, we need we need a woman's uh, uh, shelter or housing, you know, and we don't have that. We don't have that. I, I um, you know, the one thing that brought me to connection was my passion in working in the field and seeing that there was such a lack of treatment that was gender specific. And and don't get me wrong, we need gender specific programming for men and women. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what that's what led me to the connection because that the ability to serve these women um, instead of going to jail for uh, typically um, legal issues related to their substance abuse um, to be able to you know open that and support that. But with our reentry supportive housing programs that we have statewide with DOC, you know these guys are thriving. Like they're really getting their life back together and giving back to society and they deserve that right um and so and we're filled the capacity there too i mean we you know housing is key let's not under but you and i both know brandon it's more than just housing it's housing with services right it's housing with support that makes housing successful right and seeing people thrive and giving them an opportunity to um rebuild their soul and rewrite their story because all these stories are horrific stories. The people didn't mm-hmm. choose one day, I'm just going to go to jail today. They mm-hmm. are a mm-hmm. product of what they were subjected to. And mm-hmm. so I'm a huge supporter of people, um, you know, getting back into society and being successful and doing what they need to do. So, you know, I'm, we could talk about this for hours, but I want to be part of that solution. So Yeah, I'm no, I appreciate that. I, I mean, um, it's so key. One of the things, one of the things that um, my leadership, uh, that Speaker uh, Joe Arosimowitz and, and uh, yep. Majority Leader Matt Ritter, um, mm-hmm. they did reach out to all of the chairs, and we meet regularly to just talk through where we are. Although session is over, we still submitted um, a list of all of our bills, maybe two to three, not all of them, but two to three mm-hmm. that they that we think as chairman and women could potentially be a part of a larger package uh, that the governor could sign on to. And, you know, speaking of having access to housing, I've always been a huge proponent of, you know, making sure those who are returning home have that opportunity to have, you know, a place that they can call home. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there's a bill in there. There's another bill on tenant um, protection meaning, you know, not allowing for landlords to just arbitrarily just tack on additional late fees just because they can do right. it um, and mm-hmm. also address slum, slum landlords. Um, uh, so um, there's a lot at stake. And I, my thing is right. I still would want to honor our democracy and that we still have to talk about the importance of voting. We still have to talk about the importance of engaging people where they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is all new. 
this is all new and you got to think outside of the box in order to remain connected to your constituencies. Okay, so Representative McGee, I'm going to ask you to do probably the impossible. We got about 30 seconds. (laughs) We got about 30 seconds. You know, what do you want our listeners to know? You've got more of an insider look than we do. I think everybody's frustrated for their own reasons. What can you tell us maybe to make us feel better right now? I would say um, continue to remain hopeful. Um, Love on your family. Do some things that you hadn't done in a long time, like a a D, uh, what is it, DYI project. Do it yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Project. Uh, Spend some time with your loved ones, um, but most importantly, stay home and stay safe. Uh, Read a book. Do something that you hadn't done in a long time, but also remain informed, okay, however way you can do that. Um, And I want you to be blessed and and enjoy, enjoy your time with your family. Spoken like a true Albertus Magnus graduate. You and I have Woo-hoo. something in common. Woo-hoo. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Well, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your dedication to the people, um, you know, not only of your district, but of your state. We, we do appreciate that. And you stay safe, too. So and grateful in, for you. Right, absolutely. So grateful for the two of you as well. Thank you so much. Thank have you. Have a great afternoon. Thank, thank you. Good morning, you I should be say. Well. That's right. <laughs> and we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 